Jonah chapter 2. Remember, it's just four um, short chapters, and so as our young ones go and enjoy their time together, we are opening to Jonah chapter 2. Four chapters in Jonah, and um, it's a short book. He is considered a minor prophet, but not because he was minor in what he teaches us or what the Lord God was doing through his life. Minor basically because of the length of the writing. But uh, we remember, of course, that the tagline is that our series says it is not about the fish. We often think about it, Jonah and the whale. Probably was not even a whale. There's words in the Hebrew for whale. It's not the one that was used here. It was a great fish. You know, the kind that your, your friends that are fishermen say that they caught, right? And the next time they tell the story, before you know it, it was a whale of a whale, right? <clears throat> but, um, you know... I, I, I enjoy finding ways to um, to begin a message with a story, and oftentimes you'll hear preachers and pastors, they love to, to start with a joke. I try to stay away from them, you know, I, I like a corny joke just like everybody else, and I certainly uh, enjoy those dad jokes, you know, and my kids will send me some, they'll text them to me, here's a great dad joke, and we know what those are, right? The ones that are really silly, the dads tell their kids, and then the kids roll their eyes, and the dads just somehow we love it. And so uh, sometimes those jokes are so bad that you just have to tell it because it's so good, right? And so there once was a man, and uh, he had the opportunity to paint a church. And so he had the lowest bid because what he did was he would always thin the paint. And so they wanted to paint it uh, white in the church and the steeple. So he went about, you know, he got the job, he went about painting it, right? And so halfway through, he realized, I'm going to be out of paint. He doesn't want to spend more money, right? He's being cheap and trying to kind of cut corners. And so he got some paint thinner and he added it, some water, some paint thinner. He was able to finish the other half of the church and the steeple, right, without buying more paint because he had thinned out the paint. And just when he was done, there was a big thunderclap and the skies opened up. It started pouring rain. And he was looking, oh, I'm almost done. And then he started to notice as he looked down off of the, the, where the steeple was, he looks down and he sees all the paint running off of the church because he had thinned it. It's all running down. And so there was a big lightning bolt that almost hit him. And so he gets started, he falls back, and he grabs on to the gutter and he's hanging for dear life. And in that moment of desperation, he calls out to God, God, I'm sorry. Save me from this turmoil. Save me, God. I don't want to fall. What should I do? And he hears a voice from heaven. And it says, repaint you thinner and thin no more. There you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Like I said, sometimes they're so bad, they're good. Right? And so really, the message for today's For today's um, sermon, for looking at Jonah chapter 2, is about repentance in so many ways. Because this chapter, just 10 short verses, is very simply, and if you've read it before, you know, it is Jonah's prayer. It's a prayer of praise and thanksgiving, really. And it's the prayer that he prays from the belly of the fish. It's the whole chapter. It is his prayer. And so it may be short, it may be a simple prayer of repentance and thanksgiving to God, recognizing what God has done for him, 
but yet there's so much packed into it. So let's just spend a little bit of time together just looking at some of the highlights of this prayer and, of course, what we can glean from about how we can apply these things that Jonah learned and that God is teaching us through this great book and how we can be transformed like Jonah was because of what God was doing. So it says that, and we'll read it in just a moment, the chapter, but Jonah, in this prayer, he is praying from the belly of the fish. And he's recalling and he's recalling his distress while he was drowning. So we want a little context here. You remember that the sailors threw him overboard from the first chapter? Remember that? Because of the great storm, the ship was about to break up. And so finally he confessed, yes, this storm is about me and my disobedience. And they said, what should we do? He said, throw me over. And finally they did. And, and the storm uh, you know, calmed. But during that moment, he was thrown overboard. Here's what was happening. He is drowning in the ocean. Did you ever have that terrible experience of being underwater, maybe not recognizing which way is up? How frightening that is. So that's what Jonah was experiencing. He is then, of course, it says swallowed, not eaten. He was swallowed by the great fish. And he recognizes that that is his salvation. So oftentimes, again, we say it's not about the fish. Because what do we think of? We think of, oh, God was so, he was judging him. So he made a great fish come and swallow him up. Actually, it's the opposite. He was drowning. He was fearing death. It was God's judgment. But God saved him through the great fish. See that? And so Jonah was thankful. Now, we can't even imagine what it was like. Remember last week I told that true story that turned out to be fake news? Remember that? And, uh, and so what happened is, you can think about this, we believe this story to be true, and so he was swallowed by a great fish, and unlike what you might see depicted in movies and, and you know animated stories, it wasn't this huge cavernous space where he kind of had a table and a fireplace and he was hanging out. Can you imagine being swallowed by a great fish? He would have been confined laying there, not able to move. Can you imagine the smell and the stench? And we could go on and on. He was probably in and out of consciousness, right? But as he was, what did he recognize? Not, oh God, here we go again. This is how you're going to kill me. Thank you for saving me from drowning. He didn't know what was next. And we see in verse 10 what happens next. But at that moment, He thanks God for saving him by sending the great fish. What a great reminder to us in our context that even in our guilt, Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, God delivers us from a seemingly impossible circumstance. But it's always in his timing, and it's always in his way. God didn't save him from the storm before he was thrown overboard. He didn't even save him before the storm came. It was in God's way and his timing. He decided to send a great fish. We also learn that sometimes God can answer our prayers in stages. We might be waiting for that one answer that comes, like that voice from heaven, and answers our prayer just the way we want. But oftentimes, God will answer our prayers through other people 
perhaps even in stages. We recognize that God is at work in our lives. That's what we're going to see. Jonah is understanding that God is at work in his life. So Jonah, of course, as he's drowning and sinking deeper and deeper, praying that God would save him. Did he think to pray, just have a fish swallow me, that's enough? Of course, he wanted to be out on dry land eating a fish and bread, not being inside of one. But God saved him in his way and his time. But often, God uses people to help us. He might have sent a fish, a great fish, to bring help and rescue for Jonah. But how does he do that for us? Through other people. Many of us just spent a week serving people on the streets of New York, and our, our prayer was simple. We wanted to be a blessing to these people, a conduit, right? For God to use us, as we say, as his hands and feet, to be a blessing, to serve some hot soup and bread, to be an ear, to listen. That's the idea. Just even showing up is an act of obedience, but it's a way to be a blessing because people know, hey, you're there. It creates a safe sanctuary. We might not think of it this way, but the water, as Jonah was drowning, it was the fear of death, but the great fish was his sanctuary of salvation. We might not think, well, is that how God's going to save us? But God will send people into our lives, just like he did the fish into Jonah's life, to rescue us and to lead us onto dry land. So let's read it together. This is Jonah chapter 2, with all of that as our context. I actually want to start with, it won't be up there, here is the last verse of chapter 1. I actually read it last week to end, and I want to read it to begin, because it simply says, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God appointed the fish. The great fish was obedient to God's call, but Jonah had not been. So it says, In chapter 2, starting in verse 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, and this is all his prayer, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows, they passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet, I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life. From the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. But with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. And what what I have vowed, I will pay. For salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah 
out upon the dry land. And so a prayer of Jonah. He is recalling those moments that he was sinking and sinking fast into the depths. He recalls how he called out, cried out to God as he was drowning. As everything was surrounding him, the waves, the storm, seaweed. He's sinking deeper to the depths. He says, to the foot of the mountain, the roots of the mountains, that's, that is the underneath the water mountains. As he, he, he can see the bottom of the ocean is basically what he's saying. I see my death. And he said, he recalls, I cried out to you, God. I cried out to you. I remembered you. And my prayer did come to you, to your holy temple. Amazing. First thing I want us to notice is this. There's some similarities to chapter 2 to chapter 1. We won't go back all through chapter 1, but I just want to give you this because you can go back and read chapter 1 again. But in, um, first of all, in, in chapter 1, verse 6, do you remember what the one sailor did? He came down to Jonah who was sleeping. Remember that? He was sleeping, and he basically says, how about you get up and help us? Now would be a good time to pray. But here in chapter 2, after he is thrown overboard and he is sinking to his death, and God sends salvation, he doesn't need any prompting to pray to God. Aren't we like that in times of, dis- of distress? Times of desperation, no matter what it might be, momentary or a long-term chronic illness, something going on in your life that you just can't seem to push through and God doesn't seem to be working it out in your life in your timing, I'd say that those are the times we don't need anybody to tell us, maybe you should go pray. It's those times that they either drive us to rely upon the Lord and to pray and to cry out to Him like Jonah did, or, of course, as sometimes we do, we could run the other way. But Jonah recognizes that God is disciplining him. I mean, it was all God. God was at work here. God is the one who allowed him to be hurled into the water. The waves surrounding him were controlled by God. The fish was sent by God. He's recognizing this is God getting my attention. This is God at work in my life. Similar to chapter 1, We see that in chapter 1, it was the sailors. There was great fear because of the storm. They cried out to their gods, and then uh, Jonah cried out to his god. There was deliverance from the trial, from the storm. And then, remember what the the sailors did? They made vows, and they worshipped the one true God. It's exactly what Jonah does. He recognizes the fear of drowning. He cries out to God. God sends deliverance. And then at the end, he makes vows. He says, God... Never do that again. I recognize that this is from you. You allowed me to go through this, so yet I will still praise you. What a great phrase that we need to learn and to employ more in our lives and our prayer life. Yet I will still praise you. Yet I will still worship you. Yet, meaning even though these things are surrounding me, we have seaweed wrapped around us, we feel like there's no way out. Can you imagine what that was like for Jonah? He says, yet I cried out to you. We need to do that as well. He recognizes God's influence in his life, that there is a glimmer of hope because he says, yet I will 
call out and cry to your holy temple. There was a glimmer of hope. And then he recognizes God's compassion on him, and he renews his commitment. Doesn't that cycle happen to us? Isn't that what happens? And we we see it all throughout the Old Testament. Remember, this was God allowing this to be written through the story of Jonah for his people. Yes, he called Jonah to go to the Gentile nation of the Ninevites, but this story is for God's people, the people of Israel, to say, you have forgotten me once again. You're supposed to be a blessing to all the nations. He sent Jonah, and Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah representing God's people. And so as we go through this, just a few verses at a time, um, just a few minutes left, just look at some of the, the things that God is doing through Jonah's life as he cries out and prays to God. And notice also, please, let's not miss that in his time of distress, when he recognizes God's goodness, he makes a vow. He makes a vow just like the sailors did. You'll see it at the end. He makes a vow. That is basically him saying, I'm going to worship you. I'm recommitting my life to you. Didn't we do that this morning? We were worshiping because why? Worship. Listen, worship is our response to God's goodness. That's why we worship. Because we are thanking God for who he is and what he has done in our lives. Verse 17 from the end of chapter 1, said the Lord appointed the great fish to swallow up Jonah, and he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's remember that the Lord Jesus, he referenced Jonah. He talked about him, remember? I think there was four prophets that that, uh, Jesus, you know, mentioned and referenced, and Jonah was one of them. Because he says in Matthew 12, you can reference that and look it up later, Jesus talks about how just like Jonah, the sign of Jonah is going to be that I'm going to be in the grave, in the ground, three days, three nights, just like Jonah. See, can you see the picture of our Lord Jesus and what he experienced in the life of Jonah? He was thrown overboard, right? He was despised and rejected. But yet God brought deliverance through Jonah. God brings deliverance through the Lord Jesus. He was in the ground. It was the three days, and then what happens, we'll see in verse 10, how that plays out. Again, looking at the links between Jesus and Jonah. It says in in verse 1 of chapter 2, then Jonah prayed. Isn't that amazing? It was after all of that, finally, Jonah prayed. Remember, he was running. We do that too, don't we? He was running from God when God finally got his attention. For each of us, it's something different. But as followers of Christ, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we need to be watching for God's work in our life. Because it says, then Jonah prayed, but he prayed from the belly of the fish. Don't we often pray from the belly of the fish? Times of desperation. Sometimes I like to think, I think all of our prayers should have that same heart attitude and that same almost like sense of desperation because Meaning that we come before God even in times of joy and in times of great you know, health and, and prosperity that we would say, God, still, I need you. Lord, I need you more than any others. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand days anywhere else. Let us come before God every day like that. With that sense of desperation, hunger, and thirst after Him as if we were in the belly of a fish. 
Jonah felt like he was dying. Everything, everything around him. He had that sinking feeling. Did you ever get that sinking feeling? Like I'm drowning and there's no hope and no end in sight. He calls out to God during his time of distress. But notice also, even though Jonah had been disobedient, God heard him. What a great word of hope and encouragement that is for us. Even in our time of disobedience and rebellion, God will hear us. We cry out to him. God is gracious and merciful. Verses 3 to 6, sort of the meat of his prayer. He says, you cast me into the deep, the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me, right? I know I'm driven away from your sight. The waters closed over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around me. I could see the roots of the undersea mountains. He went on and on. I'm going down to where there's going to be bars closed around me like he was in prison. But then he ends that. He ends verse 6, and look at this. And he says, you brought up my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. Did you ever feel like you were in a pit? That sinking feeling like you're in a pit and you, and you can't get out? That is when God hear our prayers the most. And God sends someone, something to deliver him. God sent a great fish to bring salvation and deliverance to Jonah. But how, again, how does he do it for us? He'll bring people. Did you ever hear that story that, that there's a guy who's walking down the street and he falls into a big hole? Construction workers had dug this hole and he falls in and there's people walking by and so a doctor walks by and he cries out, hey brother, can you help me? And he says, yeah, I'll pray for you. It sounds like the story of the Good Samaritan, right? And then another person comes by, a friend of his, and, and he says, hey brother, can you help me out? He says, yeah, see if I can get some help for you. And finally, one other person comes by and he recognizes him. Hey, can you help me out? He says, yeah, and the guy jumps down into the pit with him. He said, why'd you do that? How are we going to get out now? And he says, yeah, but I've been in the pit before. and I know the way out. See, Sometimes God will send people into our lives. We recognized it on the streets of New York this week. We know about it in our lives as well. So we need to be looking. I even say anticipating how God is going to answer our cries for help. Because He will do it in unique and strange and mysterious ways. And sometimes, again, He can do it even in stages. Right? I mean, yes, God saved Him from drowning, but He was still swallowed up by a fish. Right? This is no five-star luxury hotel here. This is how God chose to save Him at that moment. And then we see in verse 10, vomits him and spits him out onto dry land. He's finally free from that. Still with all kinds of problems. We'll get to that next week. So God sometimes will answer our prayers in phases or stages. If we are remaining in tune with Him, we'll see how God is at work in our lives. Psalm 30, verse 3 says this, very similar to what He says, how You brought me up You brought my life up from the pit. Psalm 30, verse 3 says, O Lord, You have brought up my soul from Sheol. Sound familiar? That's what he said. Restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. That word Sheol really was just being used for death. It was like he was saying, it's like I feel death coming upon me. Now Jonah, as Bob mentioned before, you know, Jonah actually would have known the Psalms he would have known 
many of these scriptures, right, from the Psalms that he seems to use in his prayer, reciting some of that. What a great lesson for us that in those times of turmoil and distress, don't we just pray that God would help us? And often he'll do that by bringing to mind through the leading and convicting of the Holy Spirit scriptures that we know. Those verses we have hidden in our heart. And it's God's word that can lead us back to him. So Jonah does that. He knows those psalms. He used some of that, some of that wording. He even says in Psalm 40, he says, I wait, it says in Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. He heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog or out of the miry clay. Right? Very familiar wording. It's what Jonah was saying. I felt like I was in an endless pit. I was drowning. Death was all around me. And God, He lifted me up. He brought my life back out up from the pit. Verse 7 in our passage, he says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. And then he kind of throws this in in verse 8. He says, Those who pay regard... The vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. He's like saying, look, don't call out to any other God or any other thing because nothing can help us like our Lord and God. He said, you know what? Idolatry, it's all in vain. It leads us astray. It brings no real hope or steadfast love. Only God can do that. Because you know why I think he put that in there? Why was he thinking of it at that moment? Because he recognized... Who is his idol? Who had been his idol? Himself. Himself. Because he was running from God. He said, no, God, no, thank you. I'm not going to go to the Ninevites. I'm going my way. Thank you very much. We do that so often as well. But he says, idolatry. Idolatry is vain. It's deceitful. It does not provide real hope or steadfast love. Rebellion and disobedience really is idolatry because we are worshiping or serving ourselves rather than God. Jonah recognizes his futility in worshiping and self and going his own way. He recognized the danger of it all. And we know full well people in our lives, maybe even ourselves, we, we can often turn to things to escape, can't we? We turn to everything before we turn to God sometimes. You know, that's how addictions are born in people's lives. We turn turn to ways to escape those things that are distressing us. Those things that make us feel like life is crowding around us. Maybe we escape into a relationship that's dangerous and unhealthy. Maybe it's into a substance that we're addicted to. Maybe it's into things like food. Maybe it's things that lead us into depression and anxiety. We know what all those trappings are. And why do people get involved in those things? Why do we head down those paths? Because it's a way to escape the reality of what's going on in our life. And Jonah is saying, look, all of that is vain. It leads nowhere. There is no real hope and no steadfast love. It does not last what he is saying but worship and honor god not ourselves not any other thing 
the sailors on the ship recognized it. It said they all cried out to their God, their own God, whatever their religion was, and it didn't do anything. It wasn't until they had Jonah pray to his God, call out to his God, tell them what to do and throw them overboard that the situation changed. And Then they recognized, yes, this is the one true God. This is the only way to escape the turmoils and distress and storms of life as we cling to the God who made us. He says in verse 9, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay because salvation belongs to the Lord. There's his vow. He says, I'm going to worship you, God. I'm recommitting my life to you. Something we can do at any point. When we run in rebellion away from God and His call in our life, we can turn back to Him and we say thank you. And in so doing, we worship Him. And finally, verse 10, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and again, it obeyed Him. And it vomited or it spit Jonah out up unto the dry land. And that's the way we're going to pick up chapter 3. But He spit him out onto dry land. How do you think He looked? Remember, he was in the belly of a great fish. There's things like stomach acid. Maybe like half-eaten other fish or maybe sailors. I don't know. Right? The stench, the smell, like the clo- Can you imagine? Not only physically, mentally, what was his state. Right? You just imagine what he looked like, what was going through his mind. But don't we see that very act of obedience by the great fish to spit out or to vomit out Jonah onto dry land. Is that not a picture of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, Jonah experienced it. He was in that grave in the belly of that fish three days, and then he is given a new chance in life because he cried out to God. Is that not our great Lord's promise for us? That there is resurrection through him There is new life offered to us, but only through Jesus Christ. Because the grave couldn't hold Him, and death could not keep Him. Amen? Isn't that awesome? So, let us remember, there is a need for us to repent, which means we change our minds about what we're doing and about who God is. Jonah was repenting. As we see God working in our lives, God will answer our prayers. Sometimes he does it in stages through other people in unique and special ways, but it's only God who offers new life. Even in our disobedience, we cry out to God. And you know, just like Jonah, as a closing note, just like Jonah was recalling those Psalms he would have known, that we would recall the Word of God. If you want to enhance and enrich your prayer life, read through the book of Psalms. Read through the cries of David, the other psalm writers. Read through Psalms and see how it changes your prayer life as you pray to God. Seeing what God has done for His people, His prophets, His leaders. That's why we read. We read God's Word because it's His Word. That it transforms us from the inside out. That's what it was doing for Jonah. 
and he cried out to God in his distress. He knew what God had done in other people's lives, and he calls out to God for salvation. And he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. And then the great fish spit him out. What a great picture that is for us. Even in our times of disobedience, God does not forget us. He has not done with us yet. There is opportunity for renewal and restoration. New life, but only in Christ, in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, we give you all the praise and thanks, glory and honor. We thank you for the power of your word, how awesome it is to be reminded from a story that that transpired so long ago, yet is so relevant to us today. God, we recognize that you are calling your chosen people, uh, Israel, through this story. You are calling them back to you, telling them that they were representatives of you for the whole world. And God, you call us that as well. But as we struggle with our own difficulties, our times of distress, those times when we feel like the world is closing in around us, God, we know there is always that glimmer of hope. As Jonah said, that would pray and once again direct his mind and his heart to your holy temple. God, we thank you that we can cry out to you, no matter what's going on in our lives, that you and you alone can provide the hope, the peace, the rescue that we need. Your love is amazing. Your mercy your grace is amazing we sing about how our chains are gone in jesus christ and we have been set free god you set jonah free from the belly of that great fish you gave him another opportunity to worship you to be obedient to your calling god when you give us those new opportunities we want to recommit our life to you in sincerity authenticity with a humble and contrite heart. Father, would you help us to be a blessing to other people, that we would be willing to listen to our brothers and sisters here, that we can offer a word of kindness, of encouragement. Father, that you would bring other people into our lives that have our best interest in mind, that, that want to see us grow in you and want to see us be men and women of God you've called us to be. Father, thank you for not giving up on us. We love you. Now, Father, we continue to worship you because that is our response to your goodness and your steadfast love.